Good morning, brothers and sisters of Pacific Hope Church, and welcome to our final week of what I have, I've, I've waited till now to change the name of this. It's, it's the late winter Sunday school series, because sp the spring series is coming up after Easter, so I, I felt wrong giving it that name. Uh, this is referred to as Equipping the Saints, a primer to biblical counseling, and this week does close out what I hope is only the first of multiple series that will be focused on biblical counseling, where we examine how we, as members of Christ's body, can come alongside our brothers and sisters in an effort to help confront the issues and problems that each of us face in our day-to-day -day lives. Not just so that we can help each other feel better about our situation or, or what we may be uh, coming up against during the week, but so that we can consider what the Word of God has to say about each of these things. And then we can get to work at sanctification. And we can thank God that sanctification isn't a work that we have to accomplish on our own. If you've been with us since the beginning of this journey, you'll remember that monergism is the work of salvation that God accomplishes on our behalf, on his own. He doesn't need our help, and we can't help him <laughs> in our own salvation. Whereas synergism is simply a matter of us working together with God to become more like Christ through sanctification. And that's the rub, isn't it? How is it that in this day and age we could possibly be expected to have the time or the mental capacity to accomplish our part in the task of sanctification? We have jobs and families and hobbies, entertainment, politics, cultural concerns, social media, friends, all of these concerns, and then on Sunday, we come to church and we sort of hit the reset button, don't we? How is it that with all of that stuff, which almost seems to be literally designed to distract us from what is most important in this life, how is it that we're able to grow in our faith, to grow in holiness, to grow more like Christ? Because we know that, as the author of Hebrews made it clear in chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek after him. And if we spend our week seeking after and focusing on the cares of the world rather than God, then we'll find ourselves in a very dangerous place indeed. And Pastor Matthew warned me a long time ago that before we started this course, weeks before we started this course, that this was not going to be easy going through this, that there would be 
many obstacles and, and hardships that would come along the way. And I assured him that I would be approaching this task prayerfully. Um, I, didn't, I didn't take it as a small thing. But I couldn't have ever imagined that the topics we would cover each week would be the very hardships that I would personally experience throughout the week leading up to that Sunday. And thankfully, I had my wife Rachel there to help bear that burden as we went along. And this week was the most trying of all. My mind and my life have been so scattered with concerns about work and health issues and family and financial concerns that I've literally written this introduction at least five times. This, this is not my first shot at it. <laughs> now, each week for the last two months, we've considered the presenting issues that the biblical counselees have brought to Dr. Giffords in order to find healing. And each week, he has taken the time to dig deeper down to the actual root of each issue to determine the underlying sin that each person would ultimately have to confront in order to find a place of deliverance and ultimately grow in their love for Christ and become increasingly transformed into his image, that sanctification. And quite often, those roots revealed idols in the form of escapism or comfort or certainty or affirmation or the big one, control, right? We saw that several times. Now, today we'll meet Michael. He's a single guy who is concerned that he's not spending his free time wisely, and he's seeking biblical counsel to determine whether there's something he can do differently in order to help him in his battle with what Pat Quinn of the Biblical Counseling Coalition refers to as the idol of the ideal. Now, the idol of the ideal is a search for something beyond Christ. And when we find ourselves searching for something more than what Christ promises, whether it's our best lives now or it's some form of legalism, where we assume that God will bless us for being a nice person or for going to church on Sunday, or simply valuing the gifts more than the giver. And while that idol may promise life, it deceives and it demands and it disappoints and it destroys, but most of all, it deeply dishonors God who himself is our deepest joy and pleasure. Please pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, you alone are holy, holy, holy. And we gather here today to worship your holy name. You sent your Son to save us, and yet the world rejected him. And it seems we are beset on every side by ungodly people, determined to distract us from your promises. You make known to us the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. 
Lord, help us to train our focus squarely upon you. Let our words and our deeds bring glory to your name and never a reproach. May our worship of you this morning be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. How I fill my free time typically has been time at the gym for about an hour or an hour and a half. On days that I do not work out, I usually either A, play some video games or play some board games and card games. I like to play some uh, role-playing games or RPGs as they may be known. But Final Fantasy X I do enjoy is probably uh, one of my favorites of all time and I, I could not tell you how many times I've played it. When I say card games, I love playing them, but I don't go to your card store every day and go play with people. I do just kind of read about cards and read about its design, why people designed the card the way that they did. So yeah, it's pretty fun, not gonna lie. In terms of entertainment, like video games and cards, out of the 168 hour week, I would say 30. Yeah, I would say 30 hours. I'm seeking biblical counseling because all other things I have, I have tried have not worked out. I'm hoping that biblical counseling may reveal a heart issue or issues that I may be struggling with that I'm not aware of. A secular or Christian counselor would label Michael with having a time management issue. A biblical counselor would reject that term and identify Michael's presenting issue as poor stewardship of time. Why is this distinction worth making? Because time management can be considered a mere skill set that may or may not be improved. When we use the Bible to diagnose our struggles, we see that being a poor steward of time has two massive implications. First, as stewards, we have been given the gift of time. And we have a responsibility to steward that gift wisely. Yes, to rest a bit, but to work hard for the advancement of God's kingdom and toward our personal sanctification. Second, a failure to utilize the gift of time well is a sin. That's why the issue of stewarding one's time is a far bigger issue than acquiring time management skills. And if that's not enough to persuade us all to steward our days well, and perhaps remembering the devastating consequences of poor stewardship will motivate us to take a closer look at how we are filling our days. The Bible teaches that we do need to put off certain character traits, put off certain actions that apply to our former nature, who we were before we were in Christ. I wanna walk through that with Michael and help show him there are certain things that he's doing that are A, sinful, or B, just simply unwise and perhaps immature. But we don't wanna just stay there. We also wanna pursue who he's called to be now that he's in Christ. You see, change is a put off and a be renewed and put on process. So we want Michael to see that he does need to stop doing certain things, but he also needs to pursue out of spirit-filled obedience certain things. So we're gonna work on schedule, we're gonna work on things that would help him be a better steward of his time and his life. And in so doing, the intent is to help Michael continue to be more like Jesus. Thanks for coming. 
I have your PDI and I want to start by just kind of hearing what you do for work. You said project manager. How many hours a week are you typically working? On average, I'd say 40, usually usually plus, nothing extraneous, just around 40. 40 is pretty plus, consistent, yeah. yeah. 40 is pretty consistent, yeah. So tell me, what about the rest of your schedule? What is it typically going to? I do play video games on the side, which during the week is not as much as it is over the weekend because I do have work during that week. Okay. But I also do like to sometimes Monday night, but every Friday night, go to my local uh, card store, and that, and that store has a lot of card games and board games and whatnot. Tell me a little bit about church. How are you involved at church? So I do go to church weekly, at least at the very best of my abilities. Sometimes yeah, I'll, I, may, I may miss a Sunday here and there, but by no means is missing a Sunday routine. Does the Bible command us to stop unwise and sinful behaviors? Absolutely. But beyond that, the Bible calls us upward. The Bible never just tells us to stop sinning without telling us what to replace it with. Throughout Dr. Gifford's time with Michael, you'll hear him refer to the biblical counseling principle of put off and put on. Ephesians 4.22 through 24 commands us to put off the old man, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new man. Stop doing lowly, base, or sinful things, and start doing lofty, holy, and godly things. Together, we're going to learn how to put off wasting time and how to put on profitable, more satisfying, and important things. The number of actual relationships I've been in was two. One in high school, ultimately that one I did call off. The second one, the girl I met was really nice and we did date and we did rush things and we got, we did get engaged quite quickly, if I dare may say. I struggle with the fact that it did not work out because I feel like I failed as a man. I feel like I could have done better, especially in my spiritual walk. I could have loved Jesus more in my relationship with her. That didn't work out. And I kind of feel like I wasted myself, if that makes sense. God gives each of us discretionary time. There are no hard and fast biblical rules that instruct us how much leisure time each of us should enjoy. However, knowing that time is a gift from God that is to be stewarded well by His children, we should all take a very close look at how much time we're playing games every day when we could be doing more work out of obedience to the one who gives us time and utilizing our free time to accomplish a superior assignment, to become more and more like Jesus Christ. Michael admits he spends 30 hours a week playing games. Well, the Bible doesn't tell us how many hours we should just chill each day. It's pretty easy to conclude that Michael isn't stewarding his time well, as he is just not accomplishing the things that he longs for, like a wife and children. Prepare to watch Dr. Gifford encourage Michael to put off some of his frivolous use of time and to put on activities that please God and ultimately grow us. Are you ready to put off and to put on? I don't play video games that have like sexually explicit material, but I feel like there's a connection, at least from the patterns that I've determined that when I'm on the computer too long or playing video games too long or just doing something like that too long, it's like my mind 
becomes more stimulated in a sense that, hey, I really enjoy this. I want more of this. And then I want more, and then I want more. And then eventually what I'm playing or what I'm watching isn't enough. And I go on to other things that are sinful. So mm -hmm. I cut down on my video gaming time and or computer time to, at the very least, at least reduce the risk, if that makes sense. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. In the scripture, to eliminate those things is part of the reality of how we change, but it's not the only reality. In fact, the Bible will teach that there's a dynamic. What I hope to show you is what's called the put off and put on dynamic. It's the change process. How do we change? Paul says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit, but the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul commends singleness, but he doesn't commend singleness for the sake of selfish living or frittering away our life and time. He commends singleness so that we could be devoted to the Lord. So what that means is that as a man who is saying, I want to please God in all that I do, I want to use my singleness for Him, for His glory, that I am not going to relent in serving Him, but lean into serving Him, to be devoted to Him. He says to secure your undivided attention to the Lord so that your devotion to the Lord would be, it would be confirmed right in your singleness. In your life, there are certain things from what you've told me, things that you need to put off. Think of some of just your free time. If you're working 40 hours a week, that means you got a lot of free time at this point. Do you feel like you're being the best steward of that free time right now? In terms of being the best steward, no. I do what I need to do in terms of chores and whatnot, but I don't use my free time the best, the best that I can right now. And I'm not saying you need to be like building a business and sleeping four hours a night either. You're like, no, I'm not going to that extreme. Mm -hmm. But if we're saying you got to put off a poor use of your time so that you can put on better use of your time, we have to start there and say, look, God has given to you as a single man this wonderful stewardship. And part of it is your free time. And if you're mismanaging your free time in a way that is kind of fumbling the opportunity God's given to you, then that's something where we got to say, okay, it's got to stop. Like, I'm, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm not frittering time away. My hobbies aren't going to consume my free time. I need to be very, very intentional with how I'm redeeming the time because the days are evil. Think of it as, as being in the hobby category of your life. And okay. it could easily be golf, playing tennis, watching football, whatever it is. It's in the hobby category of your life. And we as men have to be able to say, look, if our hobbies are dominating us, if they're dominating our schedules, if they're preventing us from being faithful in other areas, then those hobbies need to be addressed. Maybe they need to be done away with for now. I'm not trying to tip over any sacred cows in your life, but we do recognize that if you're preparing for marriage and wanting to get serious about your walk, maybe you say, look, I really need to address my hobbies and make sure that my hobbies aren't taking over and choking out other opportunities for me to serve the Lord to be in a place to meet women, to continue to cultivate greater Christ-likeness in my own life. Mm -hmm.
It has been rightly said that the idle mind is the devil's playground. When we do not try and maximize our days being productive for the Lord and working toward our own personal sanctification, then sinful thoughts are bound to creep in. That's precisely what has happened to Michael. And that's why Michael needs to stop using his free time for rather mindless pursuits and start engaging his thoughts and actions to nobler, loftier, godlier pursuits. If you feel like your life is not as productive and satisfying as you'd like it to be, examine your schedule. Are you guilty of being a poor steward of time? Let's get into the nitty gritty and learn how to put off time wasters that are pleasing to us and to put on productivity that is pleasing to the Lord. The Bible tells us that we are to eliminate sin, but it also tells us to cultivate godly thinking and behavior. Yes, we're supposed to stop sinful behavior, but we're also supposed to start godly behavior. We put off sin and we put on Christ. We stop pursuing the lesser and we start pursuing the greater. Well, what does that look like? The thief must stop stealing, but then start giving. The potty mouth must stop using filthy language and start using his words to encourage. And the man who is a poor steward of time must stop wasting his time and start using his time for honorable things. And that is precisely what Dr. Gifford is striving to do with Michael. Okay, so grab your Bible. Let's go back to Ephesians 4. And I want to highlight the process for change. You know, the process for change, as we read, starts with putting off and identifying areas in our life that aren't honoring to the Lord, or, or maybe they're just unwise areas. And then it continues on to verse 23. It says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness one of the things that completes the process of change is where you and I are able to say, hey, it's not just the bad stuff that dishonors the Lord that we have to stop, but it's also things that are honoring to the Lord mm -hmm. that we have to start. There's the put off, put on dynamic. We have to be able to say, it's not just the things that I'm stopping, it's the things that I'm starting. When I talk about starting, the intensity level of starting is just as much intense as the stopping. So. Sometimes we think of the stopping of repenting, of the change is kind of like, well, I'll get to it when I get to it. And we don't always see the seriousness of what it's calling us to do. To use the term mortify in Colossians 3.5 is to kill, it's to choke out, it's to deal with. The intensity of us saying, I'm going to be a man that honors the Lord is something where we say, no one's gonna work harder at their sanctification. They're saying, it doesn't mean I'm justification, it doesn't mean I'm working to earn God's favor, it means that in our sanctification, no one's gonna work harder than us at doing that. You ready to do that? I'm ready, just need to put my foot down. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we need a spiritual boot camp instructor. When I was in the army, <laughs> we had a drill sergeant and he was great at motivating us, sometimes like a coach mm -hmm. and other times like a, an authoritarian threat. And we have to be able to say, I need a brother like that who's gonna come alongside and say, Mike, you can't, you can't do this stuff. If you wanna be a man who's following Christ and a man who's gonna be a great candidate for marriage, you gotta put away some of these things that you're doing or that you're tempted to do, and you must put on sanctification, pursuing Christ, 
all in. It's all about Jesus. I'm not wasting my life. I'm not frittering. It's all for him. And then watch the way that that transforms some of your temptation toward impurity. When we talk about the process for change, I don't want you to think to yourself, well, let me just work harder. It's not that you're going to say, let me just work harder and depend on my own strength. It's that you're going to say, I'm going to work harder with the grace that's given to me. God's grace to me is not going to be in vain. I'm going to be who he's called me to be. And I'm going to work hard through the grace that he's given to me, knowing that if I can work hard and I do pursue him wholeheartedly, it's not because I'm awesome and I have my life all put together. It's because Christ is working in my life to do this. He's given me the strength and the grace to do this. But I still have to work. You ready? You ready like today? Tonight when you get home, you're willing to do some things, to change some things, to work on schedule, talk about church involvement. Are you ready for that? I say I'm ready, but I just hope I can go through with it. Brother, you have all the resources in Christ to take that first step. Mm -hmm. You're placing your confidence in Christ, not in your own flesh. Mm -hmm. So whatever that hesitancy is, whatever your concern is about following through, you gotta be able to say, yeah, but Christ gives me the strength to honor him. So I'm gonna put my confidence in him and I'm gonna do it. No excuses, no maybe next week's, I'm going to do this to honor the Lord, and He has given me all that I need through His Son, Jesus. Hmm. We're going to do it. Is it time for you to stop wasting God's gift of time? Is it time for you to start being a Christian who sets his or her sights on higher goals and loftier ideals? What does that look like practically? Do you know why we nap? Do you know why God made us with a need for food? Do you know why God allows each of us to have regular rest and relaxation? The answer to those three questions is the same. We sleep, eat, and relax because these necessities remind us that we are not God. We need sleep, sustenance, and relaxation on a daily basis, but the Bible is clear. If we enjoy those blessed reminders in excess, we're sinning and we will reap the consequences. Too much sleep and you won't hold a job. Too much food and your heart and arteries will tell you to stop. And too much playtime produces, well, nothing. Because time is a gift we are to steward. We ought to strive to steward it well especially in the light of the knowledge that Jesus worked tirelessly to accomplish our justification. We ought to steward our time well to advance his cause and not our own. That is why we must put off the deeds of the flesh and to put on the deeds of righteousness. We must stop wasting time on unwise activities and start maximizing our time for eternal activities. How can you get started? All right, Mike, it's time to take what we've talked about with the put-offs and the put-ons and to make it practical. We're gonna do that through homework. So I would like you to do your best to at least commit to memory Ephesians 4.22, but start working on verse 23 and 24. That's the put-off, be renewed, put-on passage. Next, I want you to study, there is a put-off, put-on worksheet it's going to give you examples in the scripture where we see that either Paul provides it in verses 25 to 32. He's, he talks about not lying, not being angry, not stealing, and then he gives put-ons, things that are to be pursued. 
So the worksheet is just to help teach you that put off, be renewed, put on process. We talked a little bit about some of your schedule and things to incorporate in your schedule. Uh, that's gonna be limiting, no hobbies more than an hour a day in whatever form. And remember gym and gaming are in that category. Part of your schedule also was that five days a week you're gonna be in the word and if you're a night owl, hey man, more power to you. The challenge for you guys as night owls is that life comes up in the evening, whereas in the morning, it's usually your uninterrupted time. So if you do it, you just have to prioritize it and make sure that you're not on the cusp of sleep and that things don't keep taking that devotional time from you. All right, church serving is part of the put-ons. First Corinthians 7 says, look, as a single man, your singleness isn't for yourself, it's for God's kingdom, it's for your devotion to the Lord. And one of the ways that you're gonna do that is to be involved in your local church. Not just involved, but heavily involved. Are you willing to do this? Yes. You're open to it? Yes. Okay. So let me pray for you that God would do that work in your life, okay? Okay. After meeting with Michael, it seemed like he was open to making some of these changes. I'm concerned about a level of zeal that he's going to approach this process with. The, the call to change isn't something that's easy. It's not something that is always neat and tidy. We need God's strength and help to be able to uproot the sin that's gripped us. So to put off, Michael really does need to dig in. He needs to work hard, seek to honor the Lord in the things that he's repenting of and growing in. But he also needs to proactively put on, to be intentional in certain areas. As you heard, he was frittering time, being foolish and even sinful on the occasion with the use of his time and the things that he's doing and failing to do. So to jump full into the put-ons, I think Michael will see growth and change. He'll see that as he's wrestling with what to change in by putting off, the put-ons are gonna be a practical way of him saying, this is what I need to be doing. But also see the importance of a local church. I think Michael is hesitant to engage in the local church because he doesn't feel spiritually qualified or ready. But what you need to see is that God uses your engagement. He uses your service in the local church to bring about growth in your life. So do that. Engage in your local church and watch how God uses that to bring you to a place of fruitfulness. If you are not a member of a local church where you joyfully serve others, then you're missing your greatest opportunity to utilize your time on godly pursuits. Today is the best day to commit to a Bible-based church. And every time you find yourself sinking into your couch for a Netflix binge or a long session of Minecraft, put down your remote, put down your clicker, and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Run to your local church and spend your time doing fruitful work that will benefit God's kingdom as you serve His other children. And as you do, you will find yourself being transformed. All right, are we all sufficiently convicted? I know... I was repeatedly throughout the week, and once again, here we are. I uh, want to do, once again, do things a little bit differently this week. Um, wanted to first make an announcement. 
um, that there will be a biblical counseling course uh, starting, though our elders wanted to gauge some interest in that, so there will be the opportunity to sign up forthcoming, so keep your eyes and your ears out for that. Uh, and before we conclude, there are a couple of points that are not necessarily included in your handouts um, and may or may not have been brought up in here, but perhaps by way of reminder, I'd just like to uh, highlight them for our ed edification before we finish. Um, first and foremost, one point that was brought up repeatedly throughout the the term of this course was that biblical counseling cannot work for someone who is not in Christ. So the encouragement there is that if you're talking with someone and they're bringing you an issue that they're dealing with, if throughout the course of conversation you come to the, de the determination that there is some concern or cause for concern for them to be evangelized to, take it. If they're in Christ, they'll receive it uh, with gladness. If they're not in Christ, conviction will overcome them if, if God is saving them, and they'll be saved, and then you can get into biblical counseling because that's where biblical counseling can work. Paul said it himself that the word of God is foolishness to those who are perishing, to those who are being saved. It is, <clears throat> excuse me, the power of God unto salvation. It can only have its true effect with those who are being saved. With those who aren't, the gospel, evangelism. We share the law and the gospel to bring them to Christ. Biblical counseling is not meant to be some sort of spiritual salve, meant to be a cure-all for the problems that we face. As Pastor Robert put it so well recently, while the Word of God is sufficient to address every problem and trouble we face in life, biblical counseling is not behavioral modification. It's meant to help us grow in Christ and grow in our love for Christ and to become more like him, to bring believers from brokenness to wholeness through the truth of the word. As you heard uh, Dr. Johnson mention, what secular psychologists might label as bad time management skills, biblical counseling labels as a poor stewardship of time. And for myself, and I, and I hope for all of us, that this was a bit of a wake-up call, that perhaps some of the, the time that we spend could be spent more wisely and more uh, in the service of the kingdom. And if poor stewardship is merely a time management problem, then those of us who struggle in this way, we may or may not be helped because we may not grow in our time management skills. However, when poor stewardship is labeled biblically, there's much hope for change using the Word of God.
And to conclude, I just want to uh, invite all of you to the transformed.org website. This is not a paid advertisement. This is where I uh, was introduced to this specific program. There are many biblical counseling programs out there. Um, the more biblical they are, the better they are, obviously. Uh, transform.org uh, has provided these uh, videos to us. This is part of a complete series that includes more topics and more counselees uh, that are available on the website, along with materials such as the put-off, put-on worksheet um, that I sincerely pray uh, helps each of us uh, to dig down deeper into these topics. And um, there are also books available on the website, websites, podcasts, audio files, much of it for free, which can help each of us grow in our ability to come alongside our brothers and sisters and spur each other in love onto good works so that we can be better equipped the next time a brother or sister confides in us that they're hurting or that they're concerned that they may be caught up in some sin that they need some help dealing with. While our pastors and our elders are def definitely here to help, to serve and to counsel, we are in fact all called to serve one another through biblical counseling. The question is, will we be ready to bear that burden with the power of God's word? Thank you. Pastor Matthew has a couple of words to say before we um, first of all, I just want to um, thank the Lord for, um, for our brother Benjamin for this being put on, on your heart. Um, this eight weeks has been a, a joyful start into what we're prayerfully preparing the Lord to do in our midst. Uh, the, the title of this was Equipping the Saints, and, and that is definitely a nod to Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 11. It says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when every part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And that's our prayer, that this is the beginning of what God might do in our midst. This eight weeks has been a, a rich primer. And we're looking forward to making other resources available so that we might minister the, the Word of God to one another. What we understand doctrinally of who Christ is, the Word of God shows us who Christ is. It illuminates in our own hearts our, our sins and our need for Him, and it also allows us to minister to one another. So for next week, um, in, a, in a quick change of plans here, as our brother has lovingly prepared um, each week with study, and time and preparation, I'm going to give you all work to do that next week. 
I'm going to ask each of you to review the notes, the handouts that have been thoughtfully prepared for you. Go back through some of the recorded videos and bring, if you would, three things that the Lord has put on your heart through this study. Things that you didn't understand about your role as a gospel minister. Things that you didn't understand about biblical counseling. And be prepared to discuss those with one another next week. We'll also spend part of that time prayerfully asking the Lord to prepare us as the saints at Pacific Hope to effectively to minister to one another through God's word. So thank you, Benjamin, for leading us, and let's uh, thank the Lord for what he's doing in our midst. Father in heaven, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful, Lord God, that you decided to reveal yourself to us through creation first, through your son, Jesus, and through your revealed word. Thank you that you have given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And thank you, Lord God, that your word, as it, as it cuts us and as it divides and as it corrects us, Lord God, that you have given us the opportunity to use that word to minister to one another. We ask, Lord, that you would make us equipped as saints to care for one another and to speak the truth in love to one another. We ask that this time that we've spent evaluating what is biblical counseling would all be tested in light of Scripture and that you'd allow it to be applied to our lives for your honor, for your glory, and for the good of your people. In Jesus' name, amen.